This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds and Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn how inadequate data may be impacting your used vehicle department at reyrey.com slash used cars. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash used dash cars. Welcome to Daily Drive for Friday, December 15th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News in Detroit. And I'm Jake Neer in Detroit, in for Kellen Walker. Today on the show, GM is laying off more than 1,300 workers. Tesla avoids a recall in Europe over autopilot safety issues. And long live the minivan. The Chrysler Pacifica is getting a refresh. Plus, Equifax General Manager of Automotive, Lena Bourgeois, tells us what to expect with auto lending in 2024. With interest rates really stabilizing and hopefully, you know, not increasing, but maybe even coming down a little bit, the combination of all of that, I think, is going to help the industry tremendously. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. General Motors is laying off more than 1,300 employees at two manufacturing plants in Michigan. The automaker says it will offer those employees jobs elsewhere in the company. The automaker will cut 945 jobs at its Orion Assembly Subsystems plant in Orion Township starting January 1st, with the final phase on January 15th. That's according to a WARN notice filed with the state. The layoffs are in addition to those announced for the factory in October. GM said it was unable to provide more advanced notice of the layoffs because it was waiting for the UAW contract to be ratified, which happened November 16th. The new pact called for lower-paid subsystems employees to be brought into the national contract, elevating their wages to assembly production level. Ending tiered wages was a key priority for UAW President Sean Fain. The notice says the company expects the Orion layoffs to be indefinite unless the affected employees receive an offer to work at a different company location. Dutch vehicle authority RDW says it does not currently plan a Tesla recall in Europe over autopilot safety concerns. The agency cites differences between autopilot functions that are available for the European and U.S. markets and says it has been in touch with Tesla. This week, Tesla filed a recall covering more than 2 million vehicles in the U.S. after NHTSA determined that the automaker's driver assistance system autopilot does not do enough to prevent misuse. Chrysler is working hard to keep its minivan fresh. The automaker that invented the vehicle and the segment 40 years ago has no short-term plans to kill the people mover. Instead, Chrysler brand CEO Christine Fuel says Stellantis has a, quote, mid-cycle action plan for the Pacifica. She says that will involve a significant refresh. She didn't say when that will happen other than saying, quote, it will be some point after we launch the first new BEV product. Chrysler is planning to launch an all-electric crossover in 2025. And American Honda will offer a leasing program on its certified pre-owned vehicles for buyers who want to keep their monthly payment low without the cost of a big down payment. Honda said the program will benefit both young and first-time buyers. It also will make well-equipped Honda models with higher price points more accessible. Current model year Honda CPO vehicles are eligible for leasing, as well as 2018 through 2023 CPO Hondas. 
The vehicles can be purchased for a preset price at the lease's end or returned to a Honda dealer. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, since you weren't here yesterday, I feel like we gotta talk cruise. There's nine liters fired, almost a quarter of its staff cut. I mean, this looks really serious for the company's future. Is this cruise unraveling, or is this the kind of thing that maybe needs to happen for it to survive in the future? Well, it looks like Cruise is trying to regroup and relaunch as a robo taxi company, or fundamentally as one. And you know, this looks like what they have to do to make that effort. It's really a last ditch effort. Right. If they continue to have bad relations with local safety regulators, local regulators, you know, then the inevitable mistakes that happen could really be, you know, devastating for the company and and unrecoverable. It's they're doing now that's trying to get new leadership, bring their costs back in line and relaunch safely in one city and try to build back from there. Clearly, they're going to be going a little slower pace than they were aiming for originally. This is the chance to do it. If not, you'd think the GM would do something like sell off the technology or just bring it all in-house, kind of like Ford did with that Argo AI startup. Well, coming up, what should we expect to see in the auto lending market in 2024? Equifax General Manager of Automotive, Lena Bourgeois, joins the show to talk about it. That's next on Daily Drive. Lack of inventory, increased auction fees, and a volatile market means stocking your lot can be challenging these days. To be successful, you have to move fast. You need to make decisions quickly at auction. You need to inspect trade-ins and decide on an offer that will benefit you without slowing down the sales process. You need to appraise and price vehicles with the most up-to-date information possible in a market that can change quickly. But the data you rely on to make these decisions could be holding you back. How often do you find yourself manually filtering through comps because there are outliers that don't match the vehicle you're appraising? When unexpected mechanical issues come up, how much time do you have to spend looking back through comps to reprice the vehicle and determine if the reconditioning costs are worth it? How long do you spend searching through individual auction and third-party websites for the inventory you need? These problems affect the entire used vehicle process from acquisition to appraisal to merchandising. Visit rayray.com slash used cars to explore how old and irrelevant vehicle information may be holding you back and discover how to make improvements for faster, more accurate, and more profitable decisions. That's rey.com slash used dash cars. The auto industry's shift to carbon neutrality is here and it's accelerating, but is it enough? This is a moral imperative, an economic imperative, a moment of peril, but also a moment of extraordinary possibilities. No more hesitancy, no more excuses, no more waiting for the others to move first. There is simply no more time for that. Driving to Zero is a new podcast series from Automotive News that looks at the auto industry's roadmap to carbon neutrality. We take a big-picture look at the environmental, political, and social trends pushing the move toward a greener future, and we pull back the curtain on how these decisions are being made at the highest levels. 
I said, you know, the, the headline that you need is is GM believes in an all-electric future. And I think Dan Ammon and Mary Barra pretty much said the same thing, which is, is like, but, but we, we don't. Spoiler alert, they came around to that idea. Find out how and much more. I'm Jake Neer. Join me and Automotive News Executive Editor Jamie Butters on Driving to Zero, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Jake Neer. Banks tightened auto loan standards in 2023 over concerns about debt-to-income and payment-to-income ratios. Those had the biggest impact on subprime car buyers. Lena Bourgeois is the general manager of automotive with Equifax. She spoke with Automotive News senior editor Dan Shine about her expectations for auto credit trends in 2024. Lena, thanks so much for joining me today. I look forward to it, Dan. You're welcome. So we get to December, and it's always a good time to kind of look back at 2023, look ahead maybe a little bit to 2024 and what to expect. So at Equifax, I know you guys do a lot of forecasting, a lot of, a lot of look back mm-hmm. and, uh, and all. So tell me what you're kind of expecting in terms of trends with auto credit now that uh, we've kind of reached the end of 23. What do you, what do you see ahead? Well, I think that um, <clears throat> what we've seen in the last half of this year is that lenders have kind of contracted a little bit in, in their ability to extend credit. Specifically, it's been on the, on the lower end of the credit spectrum. Um, that's really to kind of help manage risk overall from their portfolio to try to manage delinquencies. So it's a really, it's a, it's a, it's a very respectable and responsible effort. Um, and that's really because of what we've seen in the in the last couple of years, where car prices gone up. Obviously, interest rates have gone up, and the combination of of that um, is really putting a lot of consumers in that lower end spectrum at a difficult position to afford a car. And lenders and dealers alike don't want to put a consumer in a car they cannot afford. So that's what we've seen in the second half. I think what we're going to see in the in the coming year in 24, I believe, and I hope that this this plays out. Obviously, I don't have a crystal ball. (laughs) But what we've seen also is that inventory has ticked up. You see a lot more 24 models coming on the lots. What that helps do is that as new models come into the lots, people that have leases or extended leases or cars that they're looking to sell to buy a new car, when inventory wasn't there for new cars, they really didn't have a way to replace their car. Uh, Now they will have it, and we are going to see hopefully an influx of used cars and also an increase in new car sales. And so that's going to fuel the market with more affordable cars to allow these consumers to to be able to to buy a car and then obviously get a car financed and and funded. And I think, you know, um, that coupled with interest rates really stabilizing and hopefully you know, not increasing, but maybe even coming down a little bit. The combination of all of that, I think, is going to help the industry tremendously. And more importantly, it's going to help the consumer. And lenders are going to look at that uh, new environment and and hopefully open up their accessibility and availability to credit. Um, We're also doing our part in that effort in the sense that we are allowing uh, lenders to incorporate some alternative data. A lot of consumers are new to credit or have thin credit file, which is why they tend to fall in that lower credit spectrum. It doesn't mean that they're 
you know, not able to meet their financial obligations. It's just not enough data there to really make a determination. And we have, um, you know, utility uh, trades, people that pay their energy bills for decades, people that pay their cell phone bills, especially the younger consumer that have been paying their cell phone bill for three, four years, might not have an auto loan before or mortgage loan, obviously, but they met their financial obligations other ways. And what we've done is incorporate that data and make that available to our lenders. Uh, we have a score that we launched earlier that this year called the Insight Score for Auto, which is basically a combination of that alternative data and the traditional credit data in combination. So lenders are going to be able to make really better decisions and hopefully allow to extend credit uh, without assuming more risk. And, uh, and so we're really excited about that. So that's what we see happening. So to get back a little bit to auto credit, it's, there was kind of, you saw that tightening and, and, you know, the subprime borrower really kind of got squeezed out of the equation. Is that just because lenders were concerned about delinquencies or defaults and, you know, with student loans coming back on the books for people? Is that kind of one of the reasons that they, that they kind of really tightened up their, you know, their decisionings? Yeah. I mean, I think there's, you know, what I will say is um, the auto industry, very different from other uh, personal loans, um, the lenders are very creative and have a lot of tools at their disposal, right? They can extend terms. They have uh, leverage of the down payment to really adjust for how to really get the consumer in the right car with the right payment, with the right funding. You know, the access to capital change in the second half or or, or even to the uh, you know late part of, of first half with interest rates going up. Um, car prices remaining high and even going up, you know, what, what it does is that it's really does not make logical sense for lenders to, to look to extend terms that, you know, are in the, you know, 10, 12, 13, 15, 20% interest rate for a car that's, you know, $10,000 above MSRP and giving a consumer, you know, 120 month term with a $5,000 down payment, for instance, right? You know, they already know that that's going to put the consumer and themselves at risk. And rather than putting themselves and the consumer at risk, they rather not extend the credit. It makes business sense, right? It makes sense. So, so we think that some of those levers will be made available even going into 24, but some of the macroeconomics will hopefully improve and the consumer is going to have a better affordability going into 24 and it's, it's going to allow lenders to extend credit. So they're doing their job. They have, a, they have a lot of tools at their disposal, but when those tools are maxed out or extended too far, they have to pull back. And it, it's, nobody <laughs> benefits if lenders are sitting uh, with loans that are defaulting, cars are being left uh, you know, on the road and have to be you know, repoed. And you know, and the consumer, you know, as an end result, have even worse credit than when they started, right? And so, so this is this is it's a it's a way to manage given the circumstances, um, some of which the lenders don't control. And so, I think it's the responsible way to manage their business and protect the consumer at the same time. As we tape this today, to be listened on on Friday. The Fed will meet today to talk about um, rate hikes again, 
which has kind of been an ongoing uh, story this year for which impacts I just so many buyers have been on the sidelines because of high interest rates because of affordability and I think as you say kind of 2024 maybe is shaping up to be a little bit better and I think there'll be more options and for consumers to you know to kind of find that car that they want whether it be new or used what do you hear from lenders as far as were they are they optimistic about 2024 I think, um, you know, the industry, I feel it's the eternal optimist. To be honest, nobody could ever have predicted record profits across the industry in a post-pandemic or even in a mid-pandemic, right? I think the first shock was like, how are we going to sell a car when nobody's leaving their house? And look, they figured it out. And in fact, they sold more (laughs) cars than ever at highest margins, and so I think that the industry is an internal optimist, which has really been a great fuel, uh, because I do think it's a little bit of like, you know, when people always talked about like, are we in inflation? Are we post inflation? Is this a pre-inflation? I think like if we talk ourselves into it, we will get to an inflation, right? It's almost like if we talk ourselves into a better marketplace for the auto industry in 24, it will happen because we will figure out how to soften some of these challenges. But I do think some of the early signs is that retail sales volumes are going to go up, which is, I think, anywhere between 3 to 5%, pretty conservative. So I think the industry is being conservatively optimistic, uh, which I think is smart. I also think inventory is going to come up, which is what's going to fuel the sales. I think inflation is very stable and actually improved in the last month. So those are all great signs for interest rate to, to continue to maintain stability. And so I think as long as you know, there's no other big macro disasters, right? We, we don't want any more wars. <laughs> right. We don't want gas prices to go up. We, you know, things like that, that honestly, the industry cannot control uh, that might put us at a disadvantage going into 24. All other things remaining the same or improving, I think is going to make 24 a better year for us. Well, Lena, that's a great uh, look back and a good look forward uh, to 2024. It'll be interesting to see how things unfold. Thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it, Dan. Thank you for having me. Lena Bourgeois is the General Manager of Automotive with Equifax. She spoke with our own Dan Shine. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Jake Neer, in for Kellen Walker. Thanks to automotive news journalist Carly Schaffner for her reporting for today's podcast. We also had reporting from three of our sibling publications. Thanks to Kurt Nagel of Cranes Detroit Business, Peter Siegel of Automotive News Europe, and Greg Layson of Automotive News Canada. You can get the latest news on finance and insurance, automaker layoffs, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back on Monday for the first in our series of year-end conversations looking back on the auto industry in 2023. We'll talk about the historic UAW strike and new contracts with the Detroit Three. The UAW was able to ride this wave of momentum and really channel a lot of frustration that I think the working class at large has felt. And the UAW was able to use that to hammer the companies and say, we need everything we lost back in the recession. We need everything we've lost, even in the good years when inflation has sort of drugged down our wages. We need that all back now. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. 